What's up, Nubians? It's 2022 and we're back for season two. Welcome to Tech Nubians, part of the Geekish Network. This is your weekly deep dive in a video game steeped in the blackest blacks. For those of you who don't know, we are a live stream of podcast hosted by black technology professionals where we will discuss the what, when, and how you can get into this world of technology, specifically video games. I'm your host, Cherie, and with me today, we've got our man with a million plans, Chuck. What's up, everyone? Our producer, sleuther, and deducer, Shanae. Hey, folks. Our marksman engineer, Leon. What's up, people? And we have the 2021 winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award, Travis. Oh! I can give you my achievement award. Oh, you weren't expecting that intro, were you? I I wasn't, actually. (laughs) I know, I know you were. Is this thing on? I wanted to to shout you out there, Travis. I mean, now we got got two winners on this call now, right? Yes. So, hey, yeah. Um, (laughs) You going to say hey? Oh, Oh, hey. hey. Wow, she didn't say anything. This, this, my, this, my award, this is my little award right up over here, yeah, too. So. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I counted you. I was counting you. I know, I know. I was okay. We, do, we, do we have three? Oh, we're all winners, y'all. We're all winners. Some of we're us have awards, but we're all winners. Travis, you got your award yet? Yes. Excellent, excellent. Oh. I would like to see it displayed prominently. I, in I, every I video call. Yes. <laughs> at, at some point, I'm going to redo all this. <laughs> my child really goes off to college. <laughs> well, folks, you know, we are here every week to inspire, sustain, and nurture creative technologists in the pursuit of Black excellence and content development. Y'all know we kick things off with the news and a long topic. And this week, we are talking about from channel three to three million channels. Basically, we're talking about the explosion of content that we have within the gaming industry or, or, or different platforms like that. So it's going to be a good uh, show for this first show of 2022. How is everybody feeling today? I'm feeling great. Yes. Great. Let's do this. I missed y'all. It's Black History Month. Ooh. 2022. Is it? Is it? We all made it, y'all. We made it into 2022. I mean... <laughs> I ain't got my reparations for Black History Month. Look, look, matter of I fact, mean, let's just stop calling it Black History Month. Call it Black History Year. Oh, oh, I do Ooh, like yeah. that. I do like I, that. I, black I, History I, all day, all all day. I don't know if I, 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 no, I don't know if I like that because that means it's gonna be over. <laughs> like, y'all had y'all year, right? It, it's over. <laughs> well, I, well you, you, you weren't just talking about 2022 though. You're talking no, about, about this, 22 this, all beyond, day, all day, 93 to infinity. Yeah, 24-7, And then next year is Black History Present. The New York oh, there History we go. Future. Always Black History Future. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. folks, well, let us get into this, our tech and gaming news um, with our, our new segment, Tech Newsians. Leon, you're going to kick <clears throat> us off here. Yeah, so here's uh, something we touched on before. Uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 uh, looks like it's rolling back, at least into the Xbox store, uh, with a lot of the complaints addressed from uh, the various people out there. So it's it's nice to see that, you know, they kind of went back and, and did the work. You know, you can argue about whether it should have happened uh, in the first place. Uh, you know, it also reminds me of uh, there were some reports on No Man's Sky, uh, which is another game that had a pretty rough launch and the developer really committed uh, to actually fixing it and turning it into a, a real experience, which is not free. 
right? Like arts and engineers, you know, you're not getting any more revenue for a free game, but you're you're willing to kind of, you know, salvage your reputation. Uh, I, I think that's notable. Uh, I actually didn't play 2077 at launch and, you know, it looks like it's safe to do so now. So I may be firing it up. <laughs> uh, same, same thing. Oh, go ahead, Travis. Go ahead. I, I'm torn about this, right? I mean, look, I look, I know games of this size and magnitude are like complicated. I know. Uh, I've built some. Um, but you know, if you if you keep doing this, right, like it erodes like your end user's faith in in anything you build, right? Yeah. And so from now on. I mean, you know, CD Projekt Red is always known for making great stuff a year after it ships, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's only going to be a matter of time before the consumers at large just realize this and they yeah. make all their sales when it's the game of the year version Yeah, a year after they ship. And it's sad. But, I, I, but you know, that's the rep now, I think. It was you so interesting when Cyberpunk came out too, because I remember it was people were so polarized. You don't usually see that kind of level of polarization for a game of this size, one that's anticipated as much as it is. But you're getting people who are just like, "Oh my goodness, this game is a tragedy. We shouldn't, you know, get angry at developers, which and doing some, you know, being really harassy towards developers." And then you had folks who were like, "This is game of the year," <laughs> and you don't usually have the same game have that kind of reaction. Right. And that was at launch. But like, I think that's the thing that's really interesting is that, you know, the there was such a different experience for folks across platforms. And this sort of like brings up, you know, this has been a thing that game developers we've struggled with for a while, which is shipping across multiple platforms at launch simultaneous ship is really freaking hard. Yeah. But at the same time, shipping like splitting your ship is also hard. It's yeah. hard for yeah. different reasons. It's hard. But, the actual, yeah. It's development, it's development difficulties versus like marketing and PR and just consumer mind share difficulties so pick your but, poison but i can tell you from experience when i was at microsoft it was a contractual agreement that if you launched a new product you could not launch it like microsoft had to be first or it had to be the same time or microsoft had to be first right hmm. if you led on the play if it led on the playstation microsoft would say we don't want it right like you can't be here so you know unfortunately and so like a lot of those yeah. challenges are pushed onto devs like they got to figure out how to make it work and there's always going to be a bottleneck platform like there's always every single generation there's a bottleneck platform and you have to figure out how to account for that um whatever, yeah whichever platform is your lead platform makes a really big difference yeah. as to how the end of your project is what, what it's going to look like so um, I'm happy that you know that they've managed to pull something out and it's getting good reviews and stuff. I never like to see a developer fail. Um, yeah. I didn't play it at launch just because you know <laughs> my gaming backlog is insane. Um, but yeah, you know, I might grab a copy of it now and like just check it out. I'm well, still you know, gonna I, wait. I, I, I'm I think still that's gonna good... wait. I don't trust it. I don't trust <laughs> it at all. I mean, we're ready now. They said they were ready twice, one other time before here too. Before this, yeah. Now nah, I'm gonna wait. I'm going well, to the, 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 are... the game of the decade edition Your chances are pretty good at getting show. a game of the year no matter what. Show me, show me on the doll where Cyberpunk touched you. <laughs> <laughs> right seriously, here, though, right like, here. So seriously, right here. though, uh, 
you know, it, it's they put a lot like there's they mm-hmm. came back from a lot like this. This is something that like this kind of like failed launch could kill other stu- has killed other studios. Yeah. And I mean, stuff. yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, I, I want to like, I'll keep an eye out for it. It's like that, too. I would like it's it's one of those games that's gotten so much press and so much controversy and stuff mm-hmm. that it's worth putting in the gaming rotation just to know what it's about. Right. <laughs> like just I, to have sure. an opinion on it. I'm sort of in the middle of you two, right? And, and what I mean is, is like when I when I got it, I really wanted to play, right? <laughs> then I started playing, and then I kept having anxiety because I thought the game was going to crash on me or I was going to lose something, and you know, and I was yeah. like, I I can't, I can't, like <laughs> I, I I just can't. You know, it's uh, so bad. Pixel wants to leave the room. One thing, one thing I'll say about it that's interesting is, is you know, you mentioned game backlogs, of which my game backlog is horrendous at this point, right? It's almost like you know, well, I'll get to that one in twelve months anyway, right? Like, so it's kind mm-hmm. of like it's right mm-hmm. on time to kind of move up the queue um at this point. It's almost like my movie habits, right? Like when you're used to watching things on streaming, like. I'm used to waiting three months for it to come out, although granted that's different nowadays, but um, you know, there, there's, there's some interesting economics about what do, what do gaming cues look like and how does that affect sales in, in terms of surges over time? My, my gaming queue goes back generations now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. When yeah. you speak about that gaming queue, like my gaming queue was like all of the past generation Xbox games. So that's <laughs> why I'm glad that Game Pass was Game out. Pass. Now I get to catch up. No. Oh my goodness, yes, my first really Game Pass, I downloaded so many games and now they're just yeah. on my Xbox being not played even uh, still. Apparently I got yes, Horizon. Yes, and we were just talking about that, uh, that Game Pass mm-hmm. and the, uh, as we t- talked about, you know, the the millions of channels, it's not really literally millions, yeah. but um, <laughs> that, that explosive content that we're talking about that we have. Um, but let me go ahead and move on to our next story. Um, actually, I want to talk a little bit about this. It's been in the news. It feels like, you know, it's still persistently in the news. I want to talk a little bit about Spotify. So, <laughs> um, you know, Spotify for better or mostly for worse um, right now has been <laughs> has been in the news um, for the entire month of Black Hi- for the entire Black History Month, I'm sure they're loving that. Um, not for a great reason. Um, it's all for around um, Joe Rogan and his podcast. Um, just for a very, very brief um, background for it, um, he Joe Rogan was in the news because um, Neil Young told Spotify they wanted his he wanted his catalog off of Spotify because he was not happy about the COVID misinformation that was being passed on the podcast. Um, but um, and, that, and that kind of actually spawned um, a small exodus of other artists who were leaving the platform, either for that reason or also for reasons of like just, you know, some um, racist language that Rogan had employed on his podcast um, not that long ago, even though he said over the course of 12 years, not that long ago. Um, so the reason I want to mention, the thing I want to talk about a little bit today was, you know, one of, one of the ways that Spotify tried to kind of, um, you know, stave off some of the the controversy was they 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 pledged that Spotify was going to commit a hundred million dollars to creators from historically marginalized groups, um, basically as an offset, um, because they they reportedly had paid Joe Rogan a hundred million dollars. Well, now it's in the news that they actually paid him two hundred million dollars. <laughs> so it's like, oh, your racism offset doesn't actually work now. <laughs> um, we don't want to so get rid of all the racism. Just yeah, yeah. Are we gonna like? Um, I, I just, 
I thought this was interesting and I, I wanted to talk about because some of the, I, mean, I know a lot of the focus has been on the COVID misinformation piece, but you had artists like, you know, India Ari, uh, who was basically like, she was focused on the racism piece. She was like, you have me as a creator of color. I'm on your platform. You're taking you're taking the money you're making off of my music and other black artists and other you know other artists of color, and you're giving a ton of it to this guy. <laughs> and I think that's um you know that was a lot of the reason why she was protesting the platform. I was just kind of curious what folks thought on this because it, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, in spite of what Spotify wants. So let's talk about how wild this is, right? The thing that yeah. built Spotify, the people that built it to create the content for Spotify, get the least amount of money. And Joe yes. Rogan gets the most amount of money on Spotify. All yep. he does is talk. Yep. And what going is him to have more money, get more money than Snoop Dogg after the Super Bowl when everybody went to go uh, uh, play those songs for the last week? Yep. You know, Doggy Style yep. and uh, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre's 2001, were like number one Billboard charting right now. They came out like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think it's interesting because it's it's an example of the mobility we're seeing across, you know, if you consider like the great resignation uh, and the ability it is for workers to pick up and move to different jobs. It's the same with streaming services. There's a whole bunch of streaming services out there. So as stars want to pick up and move, pick it, title, Amazon, whatever, like pick your poison. There is ample opportunity to do that. Now, as far as Joe Rogan, I mean, I kind of always known he was a jerk, so I'm not really surprised. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, they're just people are just bringing out receipts in a way that's pretty painful to watch, as per the the India yeah. video. But um, yeah, I want to see people bounce, right? Like, I want to yeah. see people go and and take their take their talents to South Beach. Right? That's that's the thing yeah, that's been super imagine? interesting about this is that like you know, the reaction, like people have been talking about this for a while, right? Like you said, this is not secretive. This is not unknown. Even that supercut that came out was like released in like 2017 or something originally. So it's been circulating around the, the interwebs for a while. Mm -hmm. But the thing I think this really sort of revealed is, you know, artists have a lot of, a lot more power in this conversation that I think they've ever exercised before. Uh, and the conversation I saw going online was people were like, man, can you imagine if all the black artists on Spotify decided they were going to pull their music off of spotify you know, you know the hard thing you want to see that? some you want to see some some stock tank <laughs> you, know, you know the hardest thing about that is they couldn't what? do it they couldn't pull their music yeah, own yeah. Their music yep. majority of the black that that India white, Marie is having her, right now because yeah, she asked for her music. catalog to be pulled. her catalog is still on spotify right now she's fighting with them to if, get it off if Jimmy Iovine says, I'm not pulling your catalog, this brings money into my company, Interscope, yeah. where you get 12 cent, I get $10. So I'm not going to pull your money. Yeah. It's not it's, your catalog. It's, kind of, it's my catalog and you're allowed yeah. to perform it. At, at yeah. the very least, like that, that, that in itself, like raises uh, and puts a spotlight on a completely different issue, right? Mm -hmm. Of like ownership of your own work, your music, like how it's being used. Like that's like... I know that there's like the conversations been going on in this, um, uh, in that, in various creative industries for a while, but you know, maybe the <laughs> suddenly it's rekindled again. So yeah. I'd love to see like what that, like how, how folks respond to this, this new place that could be disrupted. I mean, yeah. I think it's interesting. Right? It's like, uh, let's, now, go ahead. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see, you know, different artists who come up, um, and and do that like uh, I think it's um who is it a uh, chance to rapper right 
like doesn't necessarily have a traditional like record deal at all, right? Like, um, and then you see like Soldier Boy use like you know social networks, you know, to to do his thing, right? Like, the tide is shifting uh, slowly, mm-hmm. but 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 surely because the way that you can uh, distribute media now is is highly empowering, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, it is yeah. a brand new market, and so it is going to be interesting. But I, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything everyone said, um, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be interesting to see how this market responds now to to these things because it's not necessarily cancel culture, right? As much as it is like, okay, well, you know, if you don't agree with how the Olive Garden treats its people, don't go there anymore. And then let's see, how, you know, if that really has a profound effect on. The bottom line of these companies. Um, if mm-hmm. it does, then they'll they'll act accordingly. But if not, things won't change. Hey, it's um the invisible hand of the free market. And I think a lot of the you know I think a lot of the thing that's interesting with this is I felt I feel like Spotify kind of thought they could kind of just ride this whole thing out, sort of like Netflix did with the Dave Chappelle controversy. Mm-hmm. They were like, well, you know, we'll stand behind, you know, stand behind our, our artists and we'll just kind mm-hmm. of keep going and, um, you know, and we'll, we'll ride out this, this wave. But like when I think what Spotify kind of failed to maybe take into account is like if I want to watch murderville or ozark or something like that like i have netflix that's why i watch right and i know that spotify is saying they're not just a um you know a music they're not just a music uh 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 streaming uh, service platform. yeah platform. yeah you know i can't remember how they're how they're calling it, audio experience i can't remember exactly the terminology they're using now but people still know them as like music streaming like they sure they are all podcasts and so i got two but it's like, if I want to listen to Beyonce, I'll go listen to Tidal, I'll jump on Apple Music, I'll jump on Pandora. Like, there's like a million other places I can YouTube. get music. <laughs> yeah, YouTube. There's a lot of other places I can get Beyonce's music. And I don't care about Joe Rogan's podcast, so <laughs> I don't need Spotify for that. So I think that's the reason why they they weren't really able to kind of ride it out the way that Netflix did. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's 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 interesting, I think, when, um uh you know, I know that the... Uh, 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 the CEO says he doesn't want to moderate, you know, the podcast and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's, Joe Rogan is exclusive for their platform. Like, that means he's representing Spotify, whether they like it or not. Um, and I'm sure they're going to have to figure yeah, out some, sure. they got to figure out something. Yeah. Agreed. Um, anywho. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right. Awesome. Let's jump on to our next story. Travis, you got something for us. Yeah. Um, you know how people like, uh, you know, people always say like, I feel seen. Um, it, and uh, during the Super Bowl commercial, you know, I look, Google does really good Super Bowl commercials. Um, historically, they sort of hit you in the feels. Um, and so this year, uh, they started talking about uh images, um, specifically dark skin, black images, or people who are darkly complexioned. Um, and they started talking about their technology. Um, and, you know, their, their quote here is, historically, camera technology hasn't accurately represented darker skin tones. And so as a part of Google's commitment 
To making images more equitable for all, we work directly with a range of image experts celebrated for their beautiful and accurate imagery of people of color to build our Google Pixel 6 with real tone, an inclusive camera that sees and highlights all people and nuances of skin tone beautifully and authentically. Um, mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. Um, if you look back at my yearbook, like, you know, you'll see like the photo tragedies of just, you know, black people that, you know, I mean, it's there, it's just bad, right? Mm -hmm. I was in some of those pictures. Uh, if you go back to our parents' time, it's even worse. And I, you know, and it's funny because I, I, I used to remember like looking at pictures of, of, of black people in like the 60s and I was like, there's no one attractive like back then, like, what is going on? And, it, you know, and, it, you know, because I look around in my family and I think my family is attractive. Like, why isn't it that media, you know, like when, when we see ourselves depicted, it's just wrong. And mm -hmm. and I remember back when, you know, you, you had to go back and like manually tune your TV and stuff like that. I always used to use the white people. Right. Like, when does yeah. it look like, you know, these white people have had enough sun? Okay, then my TV's <laughs> color must be fixed. And yeah. so when I saw this commercial, I cried because I felt like I was being seen. And that's amazing. It's 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 amazing. I, I, I don't know whether or not this hit everyone else the way it hit me, but um it it, it just proves that you know, you can find some crazy sort of, I, I don't know whether or not to call it racist, but like, it, it, like, damn, like yeah. even technology in a purest form? You know, we're, we're, <laughs> well, we're, well, please go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So we're really got, we're really got me, right? So uh, I, w I was a professional photographer for a number of years. And, and when I learned to be a photographer, when I learned to use an SLR and actually meter on the skin of my subjects and, oh, look and behold, my photos of black people look great, right? Because, but it took me taking manual control over yeah. the camera and adjusting the shutter and the and the speed uh, to get that result right. Uh, anytime it did the automatic modes, the automatic samplings, as illustrated by this tech from from Google, weren't taking that into account. So I feel like wow, like you know, decades later, like when did automatic metering come out, right? Like mm -hmm. decades later, it's like we're finally at the point where we're considering the actual composition and the dynamic range of the of actual skin tones, and and it is yeah. a good thing. Yeah, can, it's, can we, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, uh, I will say, like, Travis, when you said that you felt seen, I was like, yeah, literally, right? We're literally, literally. now able to be seen. Um, you know, and, and, and you also mentioned, like, you know, you don't know whether it's racist or anything like that. I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's it's racism that's just kind of built into, like, our just our, our normal kind of everyday life, right? You know, where, it, like you said, white folks were kind of considered the default in so many ways. Um, I've talked with people before about a client that I had at one of my jobs. They were a makeup client. Mm -hmm. And I remember when my the previous account manager handed the, that client over to me, they said, you're going to love this client because they always give me free makeup. And the, the previous account manager was a guy. And he's like, they always give me free makeup. I don't wear any makeup, so I just give it all to my girlfriend. He's like, you're going to love them. And I was like, great, I'll take free makeup. And um, then I got there and they never offered me makeup. And I was like, why not? And I found out it's because they didn't make makeup in my skin tone. 
they made but funny enough we oh, were right. working oh, on right. a project to translate their website into 19 different languages they were global but they didn't make makeup for black people <laughs> so and I, you know it's, it's, yeah wow. or brown people right in fact they actually when i was there they asked me if i wanted to be one yeah, no, they asked me if i wanted to be one of their user testers for their makeup they were just starting on a project with it i'm like yeah i'm, I'm good <laughs> hold on i want to address something when you finish, yeah, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish, finish, get it out. No, I was just going to say, like, it's things like that where it's just kind of like, it's just racism is kind of built into the system. And we just like, you know, obviously we just don't notice it for a very long time because it's just the way it's always been. And now, and then you see shows like, like uh, Insecure where you're like, wow, black people look fabulous on Insecure. Are they working magic? Fantastic. Yes. Yep. That but, Harlem. Yes. They look great in yeah. Harlem. Yeah. Harlem and, and they're different hues. But what's interesting about this, on October 19th, Google had their Pixel event. And mm. Florian, who's a product manager, I know Florian, comes out with his cornrow braids and says, hey, we had this thing called Real Tone. And for six minutes of that event, they were showing black people pictures of them taken on their phone and black people mm. falling out everywhere. Like, oh my God, mm. you can actually see me. Wow. And wow. this is October, six minutes. This is the longest segment of their whole entire program of them announcing their new phone. Apple's never dedicated mm. six minutes to one segment of their phone. And <laughs> yet the press didn't even cover it. Mm. I saw it in Ebony and I saw it on Essence's website. That's mm. it. We it's brought it up on Geek Beast. We talked about it mm -hmm. on Geek Beast. We did it twice. Me and Trey made sure we talked about it twice. And that's the only time yeah. I've ever seen this feature talked about. It wasn't on Complex. It wasn't uh, on, on any of the other Black news sources. And I was like, how they're passing up this? I'm surprised Black people didn't give up their iPhones to go to Google or Apple didn't make an announcement saying, hey, we got y'all too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, go ahead, Leon. I just say this is just real quick, just a really quick point. You just talk about uh, the nor societal norms. So here's mm -hmm. one: the realization that band aids are supposed to match your skin, your skin tone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? like, I never knew that. I was like, oh, they're supposed. This is supposed to blend in. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> For, for women, like oftentimes, like when um, stockings were a thing, do people still wear stockings? I don't even know if people were still wear stockings I don't think so. anymore, but I don't know. there's always a color of stockings called nude. And I'm like, well, this is not my color. Oh, <laughs> not my, this is someone else's nude, right? But we yeah. see that so often. We see it, like it becomes a thing that is, it is so built into society that we, you know, you don't realize it till you take a, take a moment, you step, step back and think like these, these crayons, this one's called flesh, but it's not, it's not my flesh. Whose flesh is it? Oh, um, I mean, that's what happened with photography. It's what happens with in the medical community. We see this kind of stuff built, built, uh, built into our society all throughout our society. Let's, let's talk about um, the, the, also the, one, the one thing I think was really interesting um, about photography too, because like, you know, uh, the I straight up call it racism because <laughs> because there were deliberate decisions that were made to 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 make sure that the technology looked good for only a certain segment of people. Like like Leon mentioned as a professional photographer, it wasn't that the technology wasn't good enough to represent black people. Like the technology can do it. It's just what you care about. It's about priorities. Right. And for those yeah. of us who are um, of a certain age, 
we probably remember in the 80s when Kodak came out with those commercials with the Cindy Lauper song talking about, I see your true colors shining through. And they were specifically marketing um, film to black people, to black and brown folks. Well, the thing that I think everyone on this call probably knows it, but just for the just for edification, um, the the reason why Kodak was able to make these these advancements in film technology wasn't because they were actually trying to represent black people. It was because they were trying to represent furniture and the different wood grains. And there was such a push from the furniture industry that they finally were able to they finally like made the technology and finally um, uh, prioritized that to make sure that you could tell you know, a cherry wood from an oak or something. And then they said, hey, this works on black people too. Maybe we can sell this to them, right? After so like this whole thing, like the, the thing that, that, that drives me nuts about it a little bit is it's, it's, it's sort of presented as though black skin is difficult. Like we're like, our skin's harder to light or it's harder to film than other skin. And it's not, it's like skin is skin. It just determines what your priorities are. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I, I think that, you know, and, and the reason I guess I was having some issue is is because I don't know if it's I don't know if it's racism, but um, things like that quickly make you feel like you're other yeah. rather than normal, right? Um, and and that's just bad. Any you know, period. But you know, I yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If if people just took a step back and and realized that, like you know, when you do that it makes all these affected people feel like they are not normal. They are abnormal. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you have a, a more inclusive, uh, you know, just mentality period, uh, how much better everything is. Yeah. Not just some things, but yeah, really everything. Everything. Yes. yeah. It's, it's very clear. I, I still have never owned a Band-Aid that was my skin color either. <laughs> I know they make them now. Yeah, they do. They do. It probably cost a dollar more. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's gonna be my that's gonna be my, my journey on Black History Month. I need to find a band aid that matches. My skin. You know, what's so crazy is Rihanna became a billionaire because of this because she yeah. made makeup yeah. and brown tones yep. across mm -hmm. yep. all of them. Like cosmetics has been around for couple of hundred years and nobody said hey let's make makeup for all the tones and yeah, she right came now, along and was like hey i got this extra money for making this making umbrella songs i'm gonna <laughs> throw it to making makeup of all women color yeah right now naomi osaka has just put is just started putting out a um a brand i think of like it's i think it's sun uh suntan lotion and stuff like that specifically for black folks and for you know uh for mm. melanated folks um nice. yeah there's just I, all these things she had it in japan <laughs> right <laughs> but um but yeah i mean it's all these things where it's just like um you know people of color just kind of kind of been systematically excluded and now folks are kind of we're, we're getting a chance to really take a step back and be like hey why is it like this why? um so anyways we got one last story for everybody before we go on to our long topic i think this one is coming from shanae what do you got for us yes okay I'm so excited to talk about Nintendo, <laughs> but not for like, Travis not for like a, a happy reason this time. You know, Travis, oh, Travis, let me, let me oh, pull Travis back Nintendo? to the dead. We're talking about Nintendo what's for a few Nintendo? seconds here. Nintendo, uh, here, Travis. Uh, so uh, Nintendo just announced that they are going to be closing 
the Wii U shop and the 3DS shop. Womp womp. In 2020. What are you cheering? You can't cheer for this, Travis. Come on. Um, they're gonna be closing it in 2023, um, which has definitely caused a lot of emotions. Not typically the, tra- the emotion Travis is expressing right now, but um, it's caused a lot of emotions around folks because that basically means that hey, there's a lot of games that were only available on the Wii U shop and only available in the 3DS shop, and hurry up and get them. <laughs> this is the only thing I can tell you um, because even though they said they're closing the shop in 2023, it's actually going to be shutting down a little bit sooner than that. So like on May 23rd of this year, 2022, you're not going to be able to add um, additional funds with your credit card. And on eight, August 29th of 2022, you're not going to be able to add um, uh, additional funds to your, to your, uh, to your account using, um, uh, using uh, e-shop cards and stuff too. So you'll still be able to spend them to through May of, of next year. But um, just know that this is a the, the sun setting has begun, yeah. Uh, and as you can imagine, um, like I said, folks are folks are having some emotions about this, especially in the uh, the game preservation community. Um, uh, as someone who uh, is really interested in and has spoken a lot about um, game preservation, um, uh, yeah, I got feelings yeah, <laughs> about I, this. There's some games that are just how does that make, you make my list? <laughs> Go ahead, say in. How does that yeah, make you feel? Make you feel? <sighs> how does that make you feel? You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a really challenging thing, right? Um, the 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 conversation about game preservation is very very complicated, uh, and there it's, it's often presented as if there's a like there's a a right way and a wrong way, like there's zero or one kind of thing. It's like uh, one of the reactions I've seen to this story is, oh, Nintendo hates their customers, they hate consumers, they're doing this to punish us. Um, like it's so hard to be a Nintendo fan, you know, F sure. Nintendo, all this stuff. And that's what you can, you can look at it that way, but yeah. that, but that just, that's just emotions right there. Right. Like Nintendo has, like they are a company, they have logical reasons behind this stuff. It may not, may not dovetail, often doesn't dovetail with what we as consumers want, but um, to, to couch it as just like, this is them hating their fans is, is probably not particularly productive and definitely doesn't lead to a conversation about how to get that, those products preserved in other ways. Um, that said, man, it's going to be, it, it really stinks to, to see that there's some games that are just going to go away and possibly only be available through, uh, through official mains as, uh, through like the, the subscript, the online subscription service Nintendo has, um, or, uh, or through emulation. <laughs> so a lot of folks yeah. are moving towards emulation as a solution here. Yeah. I mean, um, what do you folks think? Hmm. I, I think that Nintendo, was- oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I said, what do people expect from a business that realizes they only have so much server space they're willing to pay for and keep alive for a handful of people? It's like, if you really want this game, go buy the cartridge. Go find that cartridge. Go find it first. Because that's going to be the hard part. And pay and pay right. more than retail for it right now. Because that's what's end up happening for a lot of those games. And it, it it is something that Microsoft was saying. like Games should always be available. Once you purchase it, you should always have it. They're they're but they're on that pro tip of game preservation. You bought it, you keep it forever, and you're able to play it forever. I think there's also a distinction mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't often get made between game preservation and access mm-hmm. to right. Um, game preservation, like, there's there's an overlap, but they're not mutually inclusive. Um, you know, there's lots of things we think of preservation in terms of like historical, like, you know, in, you know, uh, American history or whatever. Like, I don't have immediate 
access to that at my house. I have to go to a place mm-hmm. to experience it. Like it's being preserved, but it's not being preserved so that everyone has immediate access to it at any given point. And I think mm-hmm. if the conversation really takes into account what preservation means versus what access means, like I think that's a much more robust and intelligent conversation because these games like technically not going away, we are losing access to them. Now that's a different conversation and it can lead to a different set of solutions if we start talking about, do I want immediate access all the time or do I want to make sure that this doesn't disappear from a server, from a server that even Nintendo has access to? I, I think also something to be careful about here is it's not just the issue of space, right? If it were only just space on a hard drive, then this would be very hard uh, for companies to defend, but it's not, right? Like you have services that are running those services have to be patched. There's new vulnerabilities, which mean like, oh, we have to patch the operating system. Oh, suddenly our server stuff isn't compatible with that operating system. Now we have to go write code. So then it starts costing you money. And if people aren't using these services, it's just like, why, why am I paying money for this? So there is, you know, there, there is more to it than just, just, you know, bits on a hard drive to keep these services up and running. There, there's they're expensive operations. The other piece of it too, though, is, this is what we kind of pay for convenience, right? Like we're all loving digital download and death to GameStop uh, because of their, you know, their Gestapo tactics uh, for for pre for presale items. I'm sorry, I'm still a little a little bitter about all that. Um, sorry, is that Gazpacho <laughs> tactics? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cold tomato but, soup tactics. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Pick your pick your tasty poison. Uh, but the but the the bottom line though is is that this is this is what we pay, right? Like if you want infinite access to a game then buy the disc or buy the cartridge and then and then you have it it's the same with music yeah. we're talking about spotify and it's the same thing here I, i've had music disappear from streaming services that were on my playlist and i'm like what the hell yeah. right so like this this is the, the russian roulette that we play eventually that bullet's gonna come up well yeah, okay. yeah. so i and, and to say so nothing I'm of a, like a couple lines. good good travis mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm 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 of a couple minds here, right? Like, we have we have preservation for for most things, or you know, physical things. Um, and then you start talking about traditional media. Uh, you know, those things are a little easier to preserve, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, it's an image, right? That you see thirty to one hundred and twenty of uh, a second. We're talking about not only media, but we're talking about the intersection of media with other media, and it's a technological feat as well, right? So there's a fair amount of engineering that that has to take place in order for this media to be experienced, um, and and so now it becomes a little bit more difficult. Like, how do you preserve those things? How do you you know how do you do that in a way that that makes sense? So I'm sympathetic. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I get a little bombastic about Nintendo, but I'm, uh, I'm 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 sympathetic, and the reason I'm super sympathetic about this is because there have been times when I have actually wanted to create a game, um, or look at a game for reference about uh you know about how to build something, and I would say, oh yeah, like knights or or this or so on and so forth, and you just straight up can't get to it. Yeah. Right. You you just can't get to it. like it. You can like seriously, you can you can you can see like Citizen Kane now easier than you could like when it first came out. Right. But you can't really do that for the Ocarina of Time. 
right? And so, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an issue. I don't have an answer, but it's a problem. It's a really big problem, Shanae. I, I, I agree with you because as these systems sort of fade away, like how do you preserve that so that, yeah. you know, history is preserved and it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And actually this, this, this um, feeds very well into our, our long topic for today. Cause we are talking about the explosion of content that we're seeing, you know, um, on, on many different platforms, particularly, I think we, we talked about game pass earlier today and um, cause we can't have this conversation without talking about what, what Microsoft is doing. Um, but mm-hmm. let me switch over. I want to talk a little bit. Let's, let's go on to our long topic. Um, today we are talking from channel three to 3 million channels. And what do we mean by that? Well, Way back in the day, when you were trying to get, you know, trying to get your Nintendo or your Atari, any of your consoles to work, you had to go to Channel Three. That's the channel I was going to work on. (laughs) Um, But now um, we've got so much content, um, and we've been seeing like, you know, all these all these platforms have been really trying to become like these all-in-one focuses of your whole entertainment center. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about this today. Um, you know, what, what we kind of, um, you know, what we're seeing around with, uh, with, the, with the increase in different channels and stuff like that of, of, uh, of content here. So um, let's maybe kick this off by just talking a little bit about, because um, during a recap of our conversation before. So um, last year we had, a, we had a, a show that kind of focused on Microsoft because they had their 20th anniversary for the Xbox uh, at the end of last year. It was probably November or December or something like that. We're in there. And we, I think we talked about, and I think these might have been Travis's words, about how Xbox really changed the game. And we have some, had some recent news with some acquisitions that Microsoft has made. Travis, you want to kick us off a little bit about yeah. this? Yeah, look. I remember, you know, when Leon and I, you know, decided that, you know, maybe we should do a blog or, or, or something like that, because we used to constantly, constantly fight over what was a better platform, um, you know, yeah. PlayStation or Xbox. Now, I was, was Nintendo, so uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, and at the time, at, at the time, you know, I was I, I was a Sony employee. He, you know, he worked at uh, Microsoft at, uh, on the Xbox side of things. And what I, what it basically boiled down to was I said, look. Leon, I'll give you actually that the Xbox as a machine was actually superior a couple times, you know, to to PlayStation. But what they didn't have is they didn't have a catalog. I said, you know, and I said that PlayStation and PlayStation Studios was like the HBO of, of, of gaming. Right. Like the 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 games that they had were just amazing. And, mm-hmm. and Leon, on the other hand. You know, I, I was like, and you got Halo. <laughs> and until he started playing Gears. There was nothing. There was, there was a, yeah, but there wasn't, you know, but the bench wasn't deep at, at Microsoft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I said, at the end of the day, it's going to be about this content. Mm. And then what did Microsoft do? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I mean, they, they 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 basically wrecked the building. They pulled out their wallet and said, "I'm gonna buy everybody." Like, are you for sale? Do you look like for sale? You smell like you're for sale. Here's some money. Here's some money. And, and in fact, I just read an article that said that Microsoft called Activision three days after the sexual assault stuff hit. So they're like, "Are y'all for sale now?" <laughs> is the price, is the price going down? 
Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that it was it was really interesting just to see how Microsoft, and I think Microsoft made some really smart moves uh, around that stuff too, right? Like, it, it we we go through these these sort of patterns in the gaming industry every um five to seven years or so. Yeah, you have a whole bunch it. of independent game developers that have built up and had some success and everything like that, and then like the bigger oh, publisher comes in and says. <laughs> I'm going to eat up all these guys. And then like this consolidation and then folks break off in about five to seven years after they've grown, like it happens over and over again. And we saw this happening with Microsoft around 2017, 2018, when they picked up uh, a good number of folks, Ninja Theory, um, Obsidian, uh, Double Fine, like the, a whole bunch of like, you know, those like the remaining sort of indie, uh, like double A, triple A indie developers, independent game developers were getting picked up. Uh, and at the time, uh, the Game Pass system was a little bit newer, right? So folks weren't real excited about like why why is Nintendo pick, or so why is um, Microsoft picking these folks up? And it's like probably so that they can support Game Pass. And lo and behold, four years later, where are we? I'm like I'm telling people pick up an Xbox so you can get Game Pass mm -hmm. because yeah. the, it's a really good deal for consumers. Um, like like Travis said, you can like we've got that like when we talk about game preservation, you've got access to so much stuff. It's not a full catalog, but mm -hmm. it's a pretty impressive catalog. Yep. Um, I mean, remember, do you guys remember game? Do you guys remember Gamefly? Right? Microsoft just neutralized Gamefly. It's basically, basically. Well, because mm -hmm. Gamefly was sort of like Netflix 1.0. Right. right, they're like, "Hey, yep. you want to we'll we'll give me a physical copy of a disc? Here you go, physical copy." Right. Even mm -hmm. Netflix transitioned out of that when they saw like the writing on the wall, like, "Hey, this is actually really expensive, and <laughs> there's more lucrative <laughs> options yeah. out here too." Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, all Microsoft has to do is go down the street and buy the other company that that's called <laughs> uh, Steam Valve. Yeah. And then I have the lock because I'm like, Valve is like people really want to own games. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe not but you have servers full of games that you can just download and play at, at so, that point well, microsoft well, should just go ahead and buy bellevue and redmond <laughs> at that point yeah yeah I, I would argue they already have yeah <laughs> they, they kind, right? kind of do like, like but i've never been to redmond or bellevue washington like i remember when i went up there with my sister on a house hunting trip when I was moving mm -hmm. up there and my sister was asking me, oh, what, you know, which Microsoft building you're going to work in? And we're like driving. She's like, that one? I said, no, that one? No, that one? Like for, you know, for like five miles, I'm like, Microsoft nope, Microsoft's name. They're on a lot of buildings. <laughs> Wasn't any of those. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, they do. They do have a lot of influence in the area yeah, and a lot yeah. of folks so, work for so Microsoft and this, Xbox up there. What I've learned from this little conversation is it sounds like Microsoft had Leon and Travis's conversation bugged way back in the day, and that's the reason why they said, hey, you know what, we gotta make sure that content is king. It just so made it, we're gonna make sure content is king. Yeah, it just made yeah. a lot of sense. It, it, it made a lot of sense. I mean, you know, yeah. the thing about it was is, and, 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 I, and I talk about this a lot, right, where uh, it started, I think, with DirectX, with, with Microsoft realizing that, okay, a lot of people wanna make software for this platform, right? Um, what do we do to make that easier? And then as soon as Microsoft started enabling other developers to actually fully build things on their platform was the beginning of the end, right? And, and I said, <laughs> as soon as they wake up, 
man, is it going to get crazy, right? Like as soon as this colossal titan wakes up, right, it's 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 a wrap for everybody, right? And yeah. that's what and and that's what happened. And and I knew it was coming. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, as soon as the as soon as you know, they, they put someone at the head of Microsoft who knew software, who really knew software. You were like, he's going to ask those questions that we ask. And, well, and, and in addition to that, he said, why don't we do something about that? And damn if they aren't. They, they did two things, Travis. They, they put Phil in charge, who's a gamer, who knows what he's doing. Yep. And they put Satya in charge, who's Satya. his boss, mm-hmm. who understands cloud services. Mm-hmm. And, yep. that, and, and that that the Windows Office duopoly isn't all Microsoft has to offer. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're seeing, right? We're seeing, we're seeing Satya's vision uh, as Microsoft being a truly powerful cloud company combined with the fact that Phil is an actual gamer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and understands these things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just just as an aside, by the way, Travis, I heard you say content is king. And I agree with that. And I don't know how you can not be a Nintendo fan if you're saying content is king. Because that's basically they're like content is King Bowser over that there. Is, that is what's like Nintendo a lot. Well, I, I, I honestly the thing I I, I think that I don't appreciate the most about Nintendo is is that content is king, but they use their hardware as a cudgel yeah. for that content. Yeah. Right. Um and it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> they also they also right? they build their hardware around the types of games Nintendo specifically right. wants to make. Right. We're like it, it's, it's true. Yes. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it it's out. true. They're they're essentially a very closed pl- a closed thinking platform sort of thing, yeah. and they're like, okay, we're gonna. I mean, and simply put, they're like, we're gonna make the best games for our platform, and we're gonna design our hardware that enables us to make the best games for our platform. And if you'd it. like to get in on this, that's that's I mean, the DNA. That's, that's the DNA nice. of a toy company. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, but it's not gonna. It's, I don't think it's gonna persevere. I, I, I really don't. Uh, you know, and and the reason I say that is is because <laughs> if you point, you know, you point all the signs to almost this sort of platform unification uh, to some degree um, that's that's going on with all the games sort of being interoperable between one another, right? And, and, and people not caring like what platform you originate from, right? As long as, you know, and, and, and it is, it's starting to be content is king. Content is king, not your platform, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting how they persevere seeing that both Sony, for example, uh, and Microsoft are, are, are getting to the point where at least they're playing nicer than they ever have in, in, yeah. in, in the history of this medium. Yeah. I, I think... One one thing that's interesting about that as well, Travis, is the notion of kids, right? So if you have a Nintendo system, you're buying games all the time. Sometimes you're buying the same game twice because, you know, you got to get Pokemon for each of them. But then you get into the economics of Game Pass. As a parent, I would much rather spend $60 a year and give them an entire library and they can take their phone and play it through xCloud and play it in a portable, in a portable state versus me having to buy six or seven $50, $60 games a year. From a parental kind of spending standpoint, Game Pass is like killing that, right? It's just a matter that that Nintendo content is certainly very attractive, right? People like Pokemon, they like Mario. So, what, but once those analogs are there on the other platforms, then yeah, I agree, they're 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 in trouble economically because it just doesn't make sense when you can spend sixty bucks and get all the games. 
Yeah. I'm not yeah. convinced that there's that there's a convergence that's happening right now. I think it's I think we keep seeing a convergence where it's like the two bodies get really close and it's like, ah, I'm not not quite uh, okay. Right? Because I mean, we're like we did have like you know, crossplay was coming up, and then Microsoft made this huge acquisition of, of of Activision Blizzard. And what was the very first reaction? Everyone said, What's happening to Call of Duty? Yep. And Microsoft had <laughs> come out and say, Oh, don't worry, you know, Call of Duty's definitely gonna be on these platforms. And Sony said, We're buying Bungie. And then people yeah. said, well, okay, well, does that mean that Destiny is not? So, it, yes and no. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's, I, mean, I think it's, Um. Uh, I think that, you know, inevitably, I think what would be better for gamers and probably developers would be, you know, some sort of convergent that makes our life a little bit easier. I'm just not convinced that we're on that well, flight path just yet. It's not in the next three to five. I think we're we are. Because, I think we are. I think we are because we saw Sony PlayStation extending the olive branch with MLB. They put yeah. MLB over there and said, here, we're going to put it on the Microsoft console. I'm not sure that was the olive branch, though. <laughs> I don't think it was, but, the, well, but what it I'm was saying kind of. MLB was, like, was probably like, you know, there's a lot of money over I there. That's, so. I think that's what it was. I think that's what and, it was. And unless you plan on giving us more of that money, hey, there's olive you know, branches you all over the olive deals. There's olive branches all over money. You go to yeah. any culture, there's an olive branch on a piece of money. <laughs> I agree with Travis that we are closer than we've ever been, but yeah. like I said, mm-hmm. I'm still not convinced that means that there's something that's next in five years. Honest, well, honestly, you know, I think it also might be one of those things like, you know, you know, uh, Wordle's taken over like, you know, for a while, right? And when the New York Times bought Wordle, everyone was like, is Wordle going to continue to be free? And the New York Times said, Wordle will be free when it comes. The answer is no, <laughs> no. But, but they're not going to be free for forever. I feel like we're probably in that same spot where it's kind of like Call of Duty will continue to be on PlayStation for right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Or even if they do let it be on PlayStation, it's also going to be on Game Pass, I mean, you know. So it's like choose. I mean, simply put, it, like these platforms, exactly. you want differentiators. I, yeah. I think it'd be. I think it'd be on PlayStation. They'll just have super dope exclusive content for yeah. Microsoft. Yeah, I mean. They're like gonna do more something that's gonna be like yeah. more vehicles. Here's here's my prediction on 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 how this is going to work. <laughs> these established these established intellectual properties that are cross platform will continue to be cross platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, new ones will not be. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because to be clear, yep. when Sony mm-hmm. bought Bungie, they bought some, uh, Bungie's creativity as well as their execution. And so I can guarantee you being an ex Sony employee, the first thing Sony said was, all right, what's your new game? <laughs> you know, the one that won't be on Microsoft, uh, you yeah. know, like that, that conversation happened possibly the, I don't know, the second time they started dating that, that, you know, like they're already married now. So I'm, I, I guarantee you that is the case. Um, I mean, so know. yeah, I mean, look, mm-hmm. I, what I'm concerned with, honestly, um, all this stuff permitting is, 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 is two things, actually. I'm concerned with if this model exists, like how's this gonna be for the professionals um, who live in this industry and will they be able to support themselves well on this new model? Because I don't think that's been fully proven out. Uh, you know, um, but on the other side, I mean, <laughs> as a customer, an end user, and a gamer, this is 
the closest thing to a gold rush I have ever seen in my entire career. <laughs> For quite mm-hmm. some time. So I'm quite some time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the thing is, you know, uh, like I said, as a, as a, cons- like, I, you know, we can get into like the whole gaming wars thing, which, uh, you know, like I said, I honestly uh, bowed out of that conversation such a long time ago because I just want to play good experiences and stuff. That said, uh, it does behoove a Microsoft or a Sony, you know, an Xbox or a PlayStation to have differentiators because otherwise, like, why buy one over the other? Yeah. Right. You know, so, so you know, I, I know that there's this, there's this dream that like maybe, maybe every platform, even though they're, you know, the, these developers or so these publishers are picking up these individual developers, maybe they'll keep their stuff multi-platform forever. It's like, maybe, but like, let's think about it from a business standpoint. Why would they? <laughs> like, it made people, made Xbox fans really excited when they thought they thought for a moment Call of Duty might be exclusive. It made PlayStation fans really excited when they thought for a moment Destiny might be exclusive. I don't know why people get excited about the idea that other people might be missing out, but I think it's more, <laughs> no. or maybe it's more of they feel like they chose correctly. So no. there clearly is There's still some contrast that's going on there. And, There's and, nothing more uh, American than that. They're I, just being excited about. And, and then Nintendo fans are sitting over here just like, where's my Breath of the Wild too? <laughs> yeah, and, and, but Nintendo has a different approach, right? They're like when they when they announced Switch Sports, they were like, hey, we make consoles with different forms of play. And people are going to buy that, and yeah. we're going to—we're finally utilizing the Switch controller. How all of y'all thought we were going to do with, with since there's no Wii Sports, we're bringing you a better version of Wii Sports. Ta-da! Yeah. You, you know what? I'm—I'm I'm gonna make—I'm gonna keep it as real as I can be, because because all of y'all have been here on this. Every one of you. Mm-hmm. There's a time in your life where you had one gaming system, and that was it. It was an Atari. It was a ColecoVision. <laughs> it was an Intellivision. Mm-hmm. It was whatever. And you had to make your choice feel like the right choice. So when you got into that argument in school, forget your 2600 man, television. It's got seven versus seven people on the football field versus three versus three. And and and, and for some people, mm-hmm. they haven't got past that. So it's not enough yes. for them to win. You have to lose. Me, yeah, I had all yeah. three gaming systems. I kind of don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we're, I we're, we're definitely blessed and fortunate. Yeah, uh, we are. In our lives. I also have all three gaming systems, Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox 360. So, there you go. You do. They're still alive. They're still alive. Hey, they're still putting out games on them. Are they putting games on the 360? Uh, maybe and, not 360. No, Sorry, that was that, that went back in 15 yeah, generation. I, I, I hear yeah, you that though. Was, that was just profit at my, my my PlayStation 4. I played some 360 games on my Xbox Series X, and I agree with you. I've been in enough clubhouse rooms and gaming where there's mm-hmm. been fused of PlayStation versus Microsoft. They'd be like, Chuck, you're in the game industry. Which one do you have? Which one do you have? I said, Why would I pick one? Why not just get yeah, all of them? Right. Like, which one don't I have? And then they're like, Oh, because you're rich, you want them rich boys. Right. That's what y'all do. The people in the game industry, everybody's rich. I was like, that's not true. I just realized not one's better than the other. I just got to play all the games. Yeah, people people just like they spend their money on what they want and what's important to them. Mm -hmm. So you know that's how it works. You know. All right, folks. This has been a wonderful conversation. I look forward to us talking more and more about this, especially with 2022. There's gonna be so many great games coming out here. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to talking more about what uh, what what else we have uh, coming out. I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Digital Click for all the creative they provide for us for each and every show. If you want to learn more about Tech Nubians. Hit us up at technubians.com. That's T E C H N 0 0 B I A N S.com. 
please follow us here on, uh, on, our, on our socials. And if you want to learn more about game development and everything geek, please consider subscribing to YouTube or, or any other channels you're watching us on. Um, please also follow us on our socials. You can search the Geekish Network on all major platforms. Also, come see what else geek we're talking about next week on Monday. Um, Pod Squadron is at 6.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, and that's followed by that's followed by Geek Beast at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. So come follow us and come take a look at what, we, what else we have going on. That's it for now, everyone. Thank you so much. Glad to be in the new year, and look forward to seeing you all next week. Take care, everyone. All right.